0: continue on our Kingdom parables teaching. Are you glad about that? Yes, yeah, Well, I hope so. So turn with me then to Matthew, the chapter uh, 13. We'll, re- we'll read 24 through 30, and then 36 through 43. Now, I want to say this. I, the, the Holy Spirit is allowing me to take a different direction with this portion of Scripture than what i had intended to do but i want to uh, allude to the fact that you know last week we talked about the kingdom of heaven and what is the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of god and then i pointed out that during the church age we the body of christ are the ones that is doing the sowing of the word of god we are the sower during the tribulation period which is also covered as the kingdom of heaven uh, during that, there's four different types of evangelism that's covered, that's going to be done during that time. First of all, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, uh, that's Revelation 7, 1 through 8, and it's done in the first uh, half of the tribulation period. Then the two witnesses. The last lesson in this series, we're going to identify for you who those last two witnesses are. That's Revelation 11:1 through 14. And then thirdly, the tribulation saints, that is the people that are actually going to be born again during the tribulation period. That's Revelation 14, verses 12 and 13. And then fourthly, something's going to happen that has not happened since the Old Testament days, and that that the angels will be preaching the gospel as well. We have some small inferences of that now, where that angelic visitation is being done in the lives of some Muslim people. That is Jesus is showing himself alive and there's some angels that's going ahead and and telling them about the, the Lord Jesus and their lives are transformed so without delving into that eschatology today I really feel strong about the direction the Holy Spirit's wanting me to go with this because it's it's again the the, the rule of double reference these things Jesus goes ahead and says here in the last portion you'll see what this the the tares and the wheat are but I want to apply that personally to us and in our lives, too. So let's read that together, if you will. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir... Didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From which then has it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn and then down in verse 36 jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field and he answered and said unto them that sows the good seed he that sows the good seed is the son of man the field is the world the good seed are the children of the kingdom but the tares are the children of the wicked one, the evil one. Now, firstly, uh, to, to note here, the word the field is the world, that word is, gr- is in the Greek is cosmos. Cosmos basically talks about the arrangement of things here in our world, the arrangement. Of, in fact, uh, you ladies might be interested, that word cosmos, we also get the word cosmetics. It means to decorate the face or arrange the face, basically. Uh, that many people, uh, many women do, some men now, I guess. But that word, world, is cosmos. And he said, uh, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are are, are the children of the wicked one. And then it says in verse 39, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. Now, that word, world, is not cosmos. That world is aeon, and that's talking about the completion or the consummation, or we call the, we, it's, it's called the end of the world here. But how many knows there's not going to be an end of the cosmos? There's going to be an end of the aeon, which the word is better translated age. So he says there, uh, the harvest is the end, of the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels, as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, So shall it be in the end of the age, and it's not talking about the church age The church age ends when somebody tell me When does the church age end? the grace age? Yeah at the rapture that's when it ends so so we know that's not what he's talking about here So the end of the age is talking about the end of the Jewish age How many remembers this teaching about that that there's seven years? Of Jewish time, Jewish Old Testament time that has not yet been fulfilled, and that is what he's talking about. That's what the the tribulation period is all about. And then he says in verse 41, the Son of Man shall send His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend. That's scandalon. That's talking about a trap. It's actually a picture of a trap stick. It's a, usually a small stick with a uh, holding up a trap and it's it's small enough it's green to where it's bendable but as soon as the person or the or the animal goes in there after it it trips that and it, and they, they're captured i thought about that yesterday out there at that gravesite service at the they were telling me how the hogs the feral hogs had just destroyed that cemetery not long ago i mean he's, they said it looked like cloud field and so they were talking about they've set out there tried to shoot them and all those kind of things but i saw this video once where this guy had this huge round cage that was hoisted up, and he would sprinkle corn around the ground, and the hogs every night would come and eat the corn. And then, after uh, they got to use, used to coming there, he dropped the cage on the ground and left some gates open, and they would come in, and then, and then I don't know how they did it, but they caught all the hogs. Well, that's, that's the picture of this, uh, this. He's going to remove everything that offends this scandalon. There's traps set for us. And here's where we want to get personal with this parable, because there is traps set for each and every one of us. Our enemy is a military genius when it comes to warfare in the kingdom of God. He knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly what weaknesses we have, each and every one of us. He knows these things, and he has trapsticks sticks set for us, and that's what we want to address today. And then it says, they're going to, uh, everything. He's going to remove everything that offend, and them which do iniquity, it, it's uh, anonia, which means illegal, illegality or wickedness. He's, he's removing all of those things and shall cast them into a furnace of fire where there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, which is the millennium and beyond. And he said he who has ears to hear let him hear now i'm going to make some statements today that i really need you to hang on to if you can't if you don't have anything to write with just please get the cd and go back over these because i and i don't not to strike any fear in anybody's heart but i just sense deep in my spirit that the things that's going to be happen happening in the next uh, several months we're going to need to know Uh, how to deal with it and and, you know how to get around those traps but now one of the things we have to remember is that God's life that he has given each one of us works from the inside out it never works from the outside in religion has that backwards Uh, religion always tries to focus on the outward appearance trying to change your behavior and uh, I mean, as a counselor, I have ha- talked to people about modifying their behavior, but uh, behavioral modification is really not freedom. Uh, m- behavioral modification is just trying to curb the appetite, so to speak, trying to stop the activity. Do you, you understand what I'm trying to say? You, know, you, can, you can modify your behavior so that you can get along in society. I mean, that's what we're teaching our children when they're growing up, you know, you don't do like one of my little granddaughters will go up and, and uh, she'll actually see a black person and call call them the N-word, you know, to, she'll actually, and she doesn't know any better. Her parents have to say, no, honey, you don't do that. But well, she's heard it from somebody, and uh, they probably said, yeah, you, Paul, but anyway, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's what we have to understand that that behavioral modification is not real freedom. You can, you can have a group, a church group of people that's living according to the church bylaws and their, you know, their church covenant and the do's and the don'ts and all these things, but, but you really don't have a group of people that are free. So, in one sense of the word, I believe in behavioral modification, but you need to get into some classes and start learning the Word of God so that you can be free, because the Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free, see, so, so that is, that's the key point that God's life works from our inside, it begins in our inside, think about that, there, there's no, no learning uh, in the world begins there, it begins up here in the mind, you know, where you're feeding your mind, but but this life of God begins on the inside of us. Now. We do know here by now that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Those are three separate entities, three separate functions. Your spirit man fills up your entire body, it fills up your entire physical man. Just like, uh, uh, you know, if you have a finger missing, there's a spirit finger still there. If there wasn't, then a miracle couldn't happen and another one grow out. You know that's happened. There's people's legs. Uh, they say a man was sitting on the platform at one of T. L. Osborne's meetings down in Africa that had both legs cut off, and he was sitting on the platform facing the people. And and when the when and, and T. L. got people healed by the acre, by the acre, and they said at some point while he was ministering, that man both his legs grew out, sitting right there. So. He had spirit legs. That, that's my point. So your spirit fills up your whole body. But now listen to me. When Adam committed high treason and listened to the voice of the devil, he in fact separated uh, you know, himself from God. He, he chose to listen to the voice of the devil, uh, actually the voice of his wife. He didn't listen to the devil, he listened to what his wife told him. But nevertheless, Adam was the one in charge, and so he invited death to this planet. And so right then, his spirit man became one with his flesh. At the new birth, that is cut away. That's called the circumcision of the heart. And so now we are in a condition here that living our Christian life in these fallen bodies, there's nothing glorified about the body I'm using right now. If I had my glorified body, then it would not ever want to sin. It would be one with my spirit and everything would be cool. But that's not the truth now. So so here's the dynamic. The Holy Spirit really wanted to drive this home today. So I I hope I'm doing a good job with this. Your spirit man has to have the permission of your natural man in order to function in the world. It has to have permission. Your, your physical body, your outward man, is actually the doorkeeper of your heart. And what your physical man allows in comes in, and what he doesn't allow in cannot come in. It's the parable, remember we taught on the unjust judge. The unjust judge is not God. The unjust judge is this natural man that we live in uh, and he doesn't care for God, doesn't care for man. He wants what feels good to him. That's all he's interested in. That's, that's all the natural man is for, is for himself. So here's the thing. As we start growing in the Lord and feeding the Word of God into our spirit, our spirit begins to gain ascendancy, and your flesh can be dominated by it. Now let's face it. It's never going to get to the place. Where your body is going to just pop up and say oh boy let's go pray for three hours not, not one time will it ever say that your body's never going to want to go and commit acts of righteousness in the name of jesus never your body's always going to want to do things that makes it feel good whether it's bad good indifferent whatever he always wants to do that so you're going to all, while you're at home in these bodies we are going to always have to dominate that flesh. If we don't, it will dominate us. It's like one guy said, you know, these little quips sometimes that we put on Facebook, these little sayings or whatever. He says, uh, you need to uh, master your passion or your passion will master you. See? And so that's that's kind of it in a nut, nutshell up there. I just stopped that. Oh, well. We've got... <laughs> We, we must realize that it's our, it's our responsibility to control this piece of meat that we live in. If we don't, it's gonna get the best of us. It, it See, just, it just really bugs me that people will avoid intimacy with the Holy Spirit, intimacy with God until problems arise. And then they wanna hurry up and get in the prayer closet. Hurry up and start praying seeking God. Hurry up and, But listen, I mean, once the war is waged, it, it's going to take a miracle to get you out of that thing that you allowed in, see? So your body, your spirit, needs your outward man's permission to operate in the world. Now, 1 Corinthians 2.10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now in the king james which is i've printed this off here they have capitalized the word spirit there that is not talking about the holy spirit the holy spirit is god how many knows that god does not need to search god he already knows it so this is talking about your spirit your spirit is what proverbs called the candle of the lord searching the inward part all the inward parts of the belly meaning the you know he he searches the plan of god that is put in you at the new creation and so your spirit uh, is, is searching these deep things he says for what knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him even so the things of god knoweth no man but the spirit of god and that's not the holy spirit the Spirit that of God here is talking about your human spirit that's created uh, at the new birth, see? Lots of charismatic word people have missed that, thinking that it was the Holy Spirit. Well, now let me ask you a question. Uh, if it's the Holy Spirit that does the searching for you, then why aren't you a genius in the Word of God? Because the Holy Spirit's never off. He's always turned on. See, if it's the Holy Spirit, he said in Romans 8, Uh, it said, if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of your body, you shall live. Well, if it's the Holy Spirit that mortifies the deeds of the body, why do we have any bad deeds from the body? See, so it's not, If if you, through your Spirit, mortify, which means bring to a halt or a standstill the deeds of this body, you are going to live. But if you don't, what's it say there? You're going to have death. You're never going to get to the place where God can really flow and use you. Verse uh, chapter 10 of Romans, notice this, verse 8. But what saith this? That the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto soteria, salvation. The heart is the center of your inward life. That's what it means when it says the heart. If I had my board out here, I would draw this up for you to to depict this. Your heart is the center of, of your inward life. It's made up from the processes of what we choose to think about that's why Paul said whatsoever things are good honest pure lovely having virtue and praise think about these things that's, so we need to direct our thought life to thinking the thoughts of God that's why it's good to just read the Word of God reading the Word of God passing God's thoughts through your mind it will cause it will cause you to it's called assimilation. assimilate the Word of God into your heart. And so what we allow to be planted into our heart is what will eventually be harvested. I mean what if I snuck over at Brother Lester's house one night and got into his greenhouse, and sowed some bad seeds in there with those tomato plants, see. And it'd come up and, 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 you know, cause a, a problem there. Well, that wouldn't be Lester's fault. That'd be mine. So what, what I allow to be planted in my heart is what kind of production I'm going to have in the world, in, in the world, in my productivity, see. It's, it all depends on me. And my body has to agree with that. My body has to say, yeah, let's get in, let's, let's read First uh, let, let's, let's John about 30 times. Brother Norman's probably going to share some of this with you when he comes uh, on the 16th uh, because they're really big into assimilation in which I, I believe that must I do that myself. But it, it's a conditioning of the mind. It's a conditioning of your heart. It's not really mind renewal because my, uh, the natural mind cannot be renewed. It's the spiritual mind that can be renewed. The Bible says the natural mind uh, can, is not susceptible or subject to uh, the, the, wor- the Word of God, and neither indeed can be. So these processes of our thought life are what we've allowed to be planted into us, what we focus our attention on. Brother, if you need to go, you're. it won't work. Okay. Okay. Uh, Reconfigure it Okay. Well, you just take your liberty, brother. But uh, what we allow to be planted in there, uh, that's what's going to cause the harvest. It can't be... You can't blame it on anybody else. It's what you have allowed. I mean, it's easy, especially since teru has gone. I can sit sit over there and watch all the the car restoration shows, which I love, uh, all I want to. I don't have to listen to... What, what series is she doing now? Uh, Call the Midwife. <laughs> or Hallmark Channel. I don't have to, you know, I don't know why they don't realize that all those movies end the exact same way. I mean, it's the same story, just different. And sometimes it's the same people with a different story. But anyway, when you get a 1968 Chevelle that's a piece of trash and you turn it into a show, I mean, hey, that, that's my kind of uh, biscuit right there. But it's what we set our affections on. What, what do we allow to come into our life? And, and our enemy, being such a militaristic genius, he knows exactly what we want. He's had, now, and I know this sounds weird, you're not going to hear this at the bank tomorrow, but he knows exactly what it takes to get into your life. He has assigned demonic spirits to follow you, maybe even from your forefathers. Those are called familiar spirits. They follow families along, and they look for ways to get in there, see. So he knows exactly. But now think about it. If this life that is in us, in our spirit, gains ascendancy, becomes strong and robust, According to the Word of God, and you're praying in the Spirit, you're building up yourselves, as Jude 20 says. You keep building and building and building and building. One day you're going to say, uh, uh, No, you're not doing that. No, this is not going to happen. I have authority over you. As long as I have to live in you, you are going to do what God says. See? So that, that's our responsibility. Uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 22 says, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret but that it should come abroad. Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Amen? Those, those, Those are a group of ifs in there. If you sow. To the spirit, if you sow to the flesh, and we've all done it, we, we we all still do it. But we need to get we need to get over ourselves and realize, hey, this thing is is leading us around by the nose, and, and and you know destroying our lives and keeping us in defeat all the time. So our faith then is determined by three different factors. Now we talked to you the other day about how we receive. We receive basically through our hearing, our hearing mode. What we hear, what we place our ear, how how we yield our hearing to. But faith comes by what you hear and then what content that you listen to. Now, you can hear what I'm saying today, but if you don't continue to hear, that's what the phrase means, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. It's basically, he that has a hearing ear, let him keep on hearing. So that is why we make these cds we make it very easy for you to keep on hearing these things you say well i may not like that sermon we'll get you another one then (laughs) so the here's the third thing what measure or the amount of time that we put into our listening those that's what determines our faith and how strong it is now the enemy is, of course, he sows the tares. Remember, that's what Jesus said. The enemy sows tares. The sons of God sow wheat. Both seeds have the potential uh, to take root in our heart and produce a harvest. So if we allow those seeds to come into our hearts that's, that's tares, what do you think is going to happen? Remember I told you about tares. Uh, I think they call that... Zanyan or something like that. Those those black headed out the tares. Uh, but but used to people would grow those on purpose because they were poison. But a little bit of it made you high, and so they would mix a tea out of it or whatever, and and put it in bread. Some of them even would bake bread with it, uh, and it would cause it have a you know a, a high or whatever you call it uh, to be uh, drunk or something. They mixed it in beer and all that kind of stuff, too. But, but the enemy sows those, and, and they have these seeds have a potential. Every seed has a potential. The amount of time that you put in hearing the Word of God, is, it reveals the potential of the seed that you planted in there. See? And so what are the results, then, of what we've been believing? Now, we're all products of our own belief system. It's, it's accumulated over the span of our life whatever you've given your ear to. I've had people walk up to me after a service. Many times I've had this happen, and somebody said, well, you know, I just don't agree with that. Uh, This is what I believe. I said, well, it's your prerogative. Believe what you want to. But I said, who'd you hear that from? And he'd name some preacher. He'd say, oh, I'd say, I then would say, oh, so you choose to believe him over me. What's the difference? See? So the thing is, we need to take what we hear and present it to God. And let the Holy Spirit quicken it to us and if he doesn't it wasn't from God see that that's that's the filter that we need to run these things through so does what you believe is it causing life in your in your life or death is it causing bondage or freedom now let me tell you something about works righteousness works righteousness feels good works righteousness can be intoxicating Works righteousness means that you are getting to heaven based on what you've done, and you feel good about your your Exploits you feel good about all the things you've done for God and all the people you've helped And so that that comes into play as being works righteousness. The only thing that God allows in us uh, 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 Substantially is faith righteousness not works righteousness religion operates on works righteousness not faith righteousness so Mankind is the product of both of these kinds of seed that has been sown. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. You know, it goes right on down down the the thing there. Another thing about the tares is that it's done while men are asleep. He He said our enemy has done this while men slept. An enemy came and sowed those things. Just like if I was going to sneak over to the Lester's and sow those seeds, it would be done while he was in the bed in their sleep and didn't know. Ephesians 5.14, however, says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you life. Verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5. You are all children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunk, be drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So now here comes the nitty-gritty. Wrong teaching, wrong concepts about God are planted in us when we're not alert. A large portion of the church, I'm not talking about cross-point, I'm talking about universally, a large portion of the church at large are lethargic. They're, 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 they're lazy, they're sluggish, they're drowsy, they're indifferent. Uh, and so the, these are the times in which the enemy can come in and plant stuff in our hearts and it's easy because you see when you're this when you're in that sleeping or lethargic uh condition it's very you're, you're wide open and the enemy can just put it in there and you know what it'll sound good wow oh, that makes sense i believe that that that's because we're not alert so we must must be very vigilant very selective as to what we are hearing Uh, And don't just listen to one man of God, you know, the Lord the Lord has brought men of God across my path That 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 he is allowed to speak into my heart. I can't do that with everybody There's some preachers out there. I cannot even I can't even see five minutes of them on the TV It just uh, it just grieves my spirit for what they're saying. See now somebody that's lethargic Somebody that doesn't know the Word of God. They could turn that on there. Oh, yeah I mean, like, uh, like uh, who was it, uh, Lona asked me a while ago about watching Jim Baker. Now, I don't have anything against Brother Jim, but I'm telling you, if you sit and watch that program all the time, you'll have a household full of food and provision waiting for the big, dark, blooming day, and, you know, I think we need to use some wisdom. We just bought some of those for the members of our church uh, for something that may happen. It may not. I hope to God it never does, But, but I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to get you some But the thing is if you listen to that man all the time you're going to be scared all the time What's going to happen? Oh my God? What's going to happen is you're going to trust God and he's going to bring you through and he's going to cause a way to Be made that you didn't think there was a way Amen. I don't care what it is. We do not operate in fear. No matter what some preacher prophesies We're not going to get in fear. Remember that's when in that state that the enemy can sow these things in their hearts. Uh, Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. 2 Peter 3.17, You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your steadfastness. Now, if that wasn't possible, why would he put that in there? Second Peter three seventeen, you therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your steadfastness. Sixteen of Matthew sixteen eleven. How is it that you do not understand that I spake it unto you concerning bread? That you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees. The word beware, when you're doing word studies, you can find this out, that the word beware means that the danger is very real. Jesus would not have told us to beware if it wasn't possible that we could be overcome and overwhelmed by that. And it says, verse 12, then they understood how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Mm -hmm. Bletho means to know by experience. Beware. The evil is very real and prevalent. 1 John 4, 1. This it seems like a warning message to me today. I don't know, I don't know why, but that's... 1 the... John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Now, that's not at Bethlehem. That's at the tomb. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come. And even now, already is in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now also second I know I got a lot of scripture for you today, but it's it's just valid. Second Corinthians eleven, thirteen and fourteen. For such are false prophets. Deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for listen to this Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So, think about that. This is reality here. There are people in pulpits today, I hate to say this, but yet again, I don't hate. There are people in pulpits today that are preaching the word of the wicked one, sowing tares into people's hearts. And it really bothers me. Uh, you say, well, haven't you ever? Absolutely, I have. But I have repented of that, uh, especially since I started stepping up on my time in prayer and tongues. Because you see, your prayer language will inoculate you against deception. It will cause a red flag to go up in your heart when you hear something that's not right. You'll hear something that's not true. See, our enemy has, has the weaponry that is, that is wrong concepts about God. That's his weapons, you it, know, it, deception. He, he shows this in the men's hearts. They, they begin to believe that. Deception is his greatest weapon, and if you don't know the word, I'm not talking about knowing it by rote and by heart. I'm talking about having revelation given to you from the Holy Spirit. You know why Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice another way they will not follow? Because they hear what his voice sounds like. And when when the sheep, you go into a sheep field and you say something, they'll run away from you because it's not their shepherd's voice. It's the same way. When you start hearing this precious voice of Jesus and the Holy Spirit teaching you, then something else comes. You just know I'm running away from that. See, so th- that's the dynamic of that. So, so deception is one of his greatest weapons that he has. Now, I'm going to give you a few examples uh, about ten of them here, actually that, that have been that have become key doctrinal points for a lot of people. I mean, if any of these upset you, then if I was you, I'd get with God because what I'm about to say did not come from God. It came from the wicked one. These are some of the tears that are sown. Number one, this is probably one of the biggest. God uses evil to instruct us by allowing it to happen. That's, that's, that's a huge tear. What will that do to you? How will you resist the devil if you think God put it there? How can you resist? Number two, here's a biggie. This is called cessationists. You know what a cessationist is? It's someone that that, that, uh, believes the gifts of the Spirit are passed away. They were just for a temporary season and since have passed away, tongues included. Those are cessationists. And there's whole denominations that reject the move of the Holy Spirit and His gifts. <clears throat> Think about that. There's something they believe that the whole body of Christ doesn't believe, and that is the gifts have passed away. How stupid is that? I mean, I've, I've, I've gotten in dialogue with people that believe that way, and I'd say, now look. I said, so the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of the discerning of spirits, miracles, healings, the gift of faith, prophecy... Tongues, interpretation of tongues, all of those gifts are put into the body of Christ so that we could reach the world with. I mean, just think about coming in. This is a dialogue. Think about coming in contact with somebody who has a problem that you don't know what in the world is that problem. You don't know what causes it, but all of a sudden the gift of the discerning of spirits comes and you see that spirit on them. When you, when, you, when you walk into the gift of the discerning of spirits and you see a demonic force attached. I've seen it look like, this one looked like a monkey, a small monkey. Uh, then when you see that, that automatically lets you know that's the spirit behind that, and you can tell it to leave. And it can tell that you can see it, and it will leave. So I said, now how much better would it be to have that now than just a little temporary time way back when the apostles were around? Or, or for the gifts of healings. I mean, Brother Hagen always told us, he said, healing is the dinner bell for the kingdom of God. You start having healings and signs and wonders, people are going to flock. Yeah, they're going to come for the wrong reason. They're going to come for, you know, spectators. But wait till it happens to them. I've never seen people get more turned on than when they received a healing directly from God. I mean, it just turned, it turns you on. It, it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, number three, here's a biggie. Tithing puts God in obligation to bless you. That, that's a biggie right there. But I'm telling you what God told me. This, I, I was probably 26, 27 years old when He spoke this to me, very plainly. Because I was, I was in issue with these things. You know, where the preach tithing, preach this, preach that, whatever. Because I knew what the Scripture said, that Paul said. Uh, give, you know, as a man determines in his own heart, if it was a tithing system, why didn't Paul say, no, you've got to pay your attention, but it doesn't say that anywhere in his epistles. So the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, Jerry, you don't have to bribe me to bless you. That's all he said. That liberated me, because I knew then that he blessed me because of his love, not because of my work's righteousness. All right, number four, mustard seed size faith moves mountain. That's a tear. say, well, don't what the Bible said? No. The Bible doesn't say that if you have faith as the size of a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and it should obey you. Do you want to turn to your Bible and look at it? It does not say that, does it? it says if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed it's talking about the quality what does a grain of mustard seed do it's a little tiny seed i've heard that uh, tobacco seed is a lot more tiny than that i don't know but but it's a very small less than a bb but the unique thing about that particular mustard plant that the bible was talking about is that it takes deep root and grows 15 to 20 feet as a big, huge, much that the birds can light in it and get, get rest from. Fowls of the air are usually talking about demons, but in that instance, it's talking about that we can bless the, the people of the world because of the shade that we can give it, blah, blah, blah. So it's not talking about the size. The size doesn't matter. It's what you do with that mustard seed. Get it into your heart. So. Number five, here's a huge one. There's been more wars thought about this, and that's Calvinism. Basically, Calvinism is once saved, always saved. People will fight you over that. But, but Calvinism, there, there's what's called the TULIP system. Have you ever heard of that? TULIP, you might know what the TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. Anybody ever heard of that? Good. The TULIP system Basically, it's an acronym. The T stands for total depravity. Now, I believe that. You know, mankind, because of the fall of Adam, came into total depravity. Uh, the, the U is unconditional election. Now, there's where we start parting ground, meaning that God has chosen who's going to be saved, and those that's not going to be saved, he didn't choose. So he's picking and choosing who goes to heaven or hell. Uh, L is limited atonement kind of comes under that same heading, unconditional uh, election, in that there's only certain people that the atonement covered. But I'm telling you, the Word of God tells me that the blood of Jesus paid for everybody's sins. You You know, have you ever heard somebody say, well, you know, if you were the only one, Jesus would have still come and died on the cross. Well, that's not true. Jesus would have come and died on the cross if nobody ever accepted him, because it had to be dealt with. The penalty had to be paid, and that's the, he's the only one that could do that. And then the uh, uh, irresistible grace, see all this has to is kind of built around the once saved. You know, you can't, you can't resist the grace of God. If he's chosen for you to be an elect of the kingdom of God, you will be. It's irresistible. You're going to come in, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the P uh, is perseverance of saints, which is point blank, once saved, always saved. So that is a huge doctrine. It came from a seducing spirit to John Calvin, and I'm sorry for the centuries of, uh, of debate that people have had over that. I can't help it. I have to stand before God on what I believe about it, and I, and I, I believe that that, uh, that doctrine does more to detect or take people away from God's intimacy than any other. Now, the other side of that is Arminianism. Arminianists are the the, the old line Pentecostal Church of God that, you know, like I used to be, that uh, b- b- both of those views, you sacrifice intimacy with God. Under Arminianism, we were afraid to sin because we didn't want to get smacked down with the judgment of God. We almost had the idea that you were going to go to hell no matter what you did, so you better be good. <laughs> when I was a Baptist, you know, we thought, well, I ain't going to hell, I'm saved, I walked the aisle, so I don't care what I do. See, it sacrifices intimacy. Amen? And then, of course, uh, no rapture. That's another one. A tear. There's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a catching away. It's true. It's biblical. You say, you yeah, have it, the word rapture is not in the Bible. No, but harpazo is, and that means to be caught away. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to happen. Number seven, God gave Paul his thorn, so enjoy yours. Number eight, radical grace. Radical grace, the, the modern-day grace message that you hear some people talking about, i preached it for 20 years, is basically a resurgence of Calvinism. That's, that's basically all it is. Number nine, you have to sin, so don't stress about it. There's people that actually be, well, you, you know, you have to sin. You, after all, you know, nobody's perfect. You hear, you hear that? No, you don't. You have a spirit inside you that's created in righteousness and true holiness. If you'll build yourself up, bless God, you can walk above sin, sickness, disease, demons, and fear. Amen? It is possible. It's not, I mean, uh, with a lot of us, it's probably not probable. (laughs) But uh, but it's possible. We don't have to sin. You say, yeah, but what if I don't know it's sin? Listen, if you don't know stealing sin, you need to come down here and get saved today. Because you're not saved. See, I mean, there's a, there's a witness on the inside of you, unless you've gotten so calloused that you can't feel it. But there's a witness on the inside before you do, say or do anything. If you listen, your spirit will say, "Hey, don't say that. Don't do that." You know. But Lord, I, I want to smack him. Don't do that, Jerry. Don't do that. Amen. It'll it always be. And then number ten, and probably the most pitiful one of all tears that can be sown in the hearts of men. Is that there are many ways to God. Jesus is not the only way. That's 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 so sad. So terrible. Did y'all get anything out of this today? Yeah.